I want to talk to you today. We're starting a series called Soul Sessions. Now, we're going to go to 3 John. Go ahead and go in your Bibles to the book of 3 John. Everybody has heard this scripture before. We're going to go to 3 John chapter 1. And we're going to deal with a few things. We're going to do some, some scripture hopping today. But there's some things that, that I want to get into over the next four or five weeks. I always start a series with a plan of about two to four weeks. And sometimes it goes way longer than that. But the Lord really talked to me about some things. I really, I spent five, I think five or six weeks on spiritual warfare. And a lot of people think spiritual warfare is something that it's not. Spiritual warfare is what happens when you wake up in the morning. Spiritual warfare is getting your mind right. You're, you're, and I'm going to tell you something. Ever since I've preached on spiritual warfare, we've had to, we've had to talk more about heart. Of course, we always talk about the heart in the team meetings. But we've had, to, we've had to kind of make sure that we focused on that. Not because we got a great team here. Amen. Would you agree we got a great team? we got a great team. But we're only as good as our team is. And, and if our heart's correct, but the minute that I started sp- uh, preaching on spiritual warfare, everybody started going through it. And it started getting a little, little choppy waters, but we're coming through it. Amen. Everything's good. But I can't teach about giants, which is what you think spiritual warfare is. I can't talk to you about that until I get your soul under control. Amen. A couple of y'all with me. What you got to understand is that you're a two-part being, three-part being, and two parts are activated. Uh, one part you just live in. You live in a body. It's just that simple. Amen. But you are a spirit and you have a soul. Okay? You're a spirit being. But on this planet, you operate out of your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's how you operate here. That's hot. Don't touch it. Sign says go left, go left. Some of y'all need to learn that. Praise the Lord. Some of y'all, listen, have y'all ever, y'all, if you if you coming out of that turn at, at the hospital in Jasper, I mean, can people drive or what? I mean, Pilar's like, she's emphatically saying, heck, no, people can't drive. I've seen some of y'all. Listen, but we're going to talk about things today. We're going to talk about some real stuff that's holding you back. So 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 says this. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper, say prosper, and be in health, say health, even as thy soul prospers. The Amplified says it this way. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way. Now, if you, got, if you don't have an Amplified, you need to write that down. This is Jesus. You understand? This is the Lord saying, I want you to prosper in every way. And that, uh, and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. Now, we got some other scriptures we want to get into, but let's start right here. Because a lot of people don't really understand how this thing works. When your soul is what you lean on the most, you live a very soulish lifestyle. We call it a very selfish lifestyle means that everything that comes out of your mouth is about you. Everything that comes off your lips is about what you want. Everything that you deal with, you know better, you do better, you are better, and everything you think, you think better. Now, I know that's none of y'all, but that is how we live. And when we live in our soul, and the truth is this, most people live in their souls, not in their spirit. They tap into their spirit just to get a few things, but they live in their soul. And we're going to get deep in the next four weeks. Y'all okay? Y'all everybody good? I ain't going to be begging for amens, but you might want to just give me a few. Now, listen, that's, that's, a, that's a flag for some of y'all. Help me out here. It's, it's football season. Where's my flag? I got two flags upstairs. I'm going to start throwing penalties. Listen, can, can, I, can, I get, can I go really, really deep here? 
when I got saved, because I, I grew up in a Baptist church, but I left early. But when I got saved, I got saved in a Pentecostal church. So my ministry training before the Word of Faith was in a Pentecostal church. What fire-breathing, baby-throwing Pentecostal church. You know, you preach so good, you throw your baby across the room. If y'all ain't never been in an old school church and seen that, you ain't never been to church. It's real. But, but I'm sitting there, and I'm learning these things. And, and as I'm finding things about the Holy Spirit and the Word, at this time I wasn't baptized in the Holy Ghost. I wasn't praying in, in the Holy Ghost. Um, you know, I didn't know anything about it. I knew people around me who did, and I, I was hungry for that, but I wasn't hungry for the flash and the emotionalism. And, and I was, I was, you know, I'm, I'm a thinker, and I wanted to, to work my way through this. And so I started learning how we are a spirit and we have a soul, and most people live in the soul, which is why you cannot be baptized in the spirit. Because you think about it too much. Now, listen, I've been in a service where one guy's got this arm screaming, hang on, and one guy's got this arm screaming, let go. And you're like, what the? What am I supposed to be doing? And we're not knowing anything about it. And in Pentecostal settings, because you grow up in Pentecost, it's normal to you. So there's really no teaching on it, and, and it becomes so fanatical, there's no understanding. But with all that getting, get understanding, y'all read the book of Proverbs. So I was wrestling with this, and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, in a, April was in a prayer group and they were actually in another room praying and I was actually sitting in somebody's living room watching T.D. Jakes preach. Anybody ever heard of T.D. Jakes? I was watching T.D. Jakes preach and a little 13-year-old boy came up behind me and laid his hands. He was stammering his lips. He was praying in the Holy Ghost, 13 years old. Laid his hands on my shoulders and immediately I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I had been studying and praying for weeks, Lord. If this is you, I want to walk in this. Because we think things. We think, well, that's only for certain people. That's not what the Bible says. We think, well, with every tongue, there's got to be interpretation. That's not what the Bible says. Those are public tongues. Private tongues, you can interpret, but you got to learn how to do that. That's when we're talking about your soul. Amen? But what happens is, when you're a thinker like I was, you block yourself from moving over into that because you're trying to think your way through it rather than spirit your way through it. Amen? All right, now I wasn't planning on talking about that, but that's obviously the way we're going today. So here's the thing. When your soul is fed more than your spirit, your soul is what rules you. Now, you will go to heaven, you accept Jesus. I ain't saying all that. But what I'm saying is when you spend most of your time thinking about soulish, worldly stuff. My wife woke me up this morning. She said two things. She said, first of all, check your blood sugar like she's my mama. And then she said, and don't touch that phone. Like she's my mama. And I said, girl, yes, ma'am. <laughs> because she told me, she said, I have been up all night long interceding for you. I've been praying for you. And the Lord told me that, that you got to get your health back under control when I'm working on it. But you, you're overstimulated. There's too much in your life going on. Too many people pulling at you. You answer too many people too fast. And she's right. Because that's pulling me to a soulish place. Wednesday night, this is so cool. Uh, Wednesday night, I was in here. And prayer starts at 7, uh, but somewhere around 6.25, 6.30, man, it, I, just, I just felt that pull into prayer. I don't know who was here, who wasn't here, when they left, when they came. I don't know. All I know is from about 6.30 to about 7.45, I was lost, and I hadn't been that lost in months. But I do know this. I do know Jordan came up to me at home that night, and she goes, Dad, I need to ask you how to deal with something. I'm thinking, you're 11. What do you got to deal with? She said, she said, no, it's not bad. It's actually really cool. And I said, what's that? She said, well, we were sitting up here, and, and um, Hannah was sitting up here with Lexi and Jordan during prayer. And I didn't, I didn't realize that. 
And I came through praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues right through here. And outside, Lexi pulls Jordan to the side. And Lexi goes, I didn't know your dad knew Spanish. <laughs> and Jordan said, he doesn't. He don't know Spanish. She said, what was he doing? Jordan goes, he was praying in the Holy Ghost. He was praying in tongues. She goes, what? Um, but the thing is, Jordan said, I really don't know how to explain it. He does it all the time. And so the thing, it was funny because, now, now I'll tell you all this story to tell you this. Here's why it matters. She wasn't afraid because it was in order. Y'all with me? A lot of things we do spiritually in a soulish way. A lot of churches that I came up in, a lot of churches that I preach in, we do a whole lot of spiritual things with spiritual intent, but we do it in a soulish way because we want somebody clapping for us, shouting for us. We want to, pre- we want to preach on silly stuff. and have- We would rather have a hot, loud crowd than have a revelation from the Lord. <laughs> Good thing I don't need that here. Praise God. So we're setting into a place where the Lord said, you've got to teach your people about the soul and the spirit. Now, I've been doing this for years. But it's time for us to take a whole nother step and realize that God's calling you to a place where your soul cannot stop what he's trying to do in your spirit. But yet we got to get it under control for that to happen. See, when you, when you try to get in shape, when you get up and go to the gym in the morning, or, or if you go or you try, you have good intentions because Monday's coming. But somewhere, oh, I'm, I'm going to be at the gym at 6 o'clock Monday morning. Somewhere around 530, you're like, nah, I'll go tomorrow. Right? I didn't say raise y'all's hands. What's wrong with y'all? What's wrong with you people? But you do that. You talk yourself out of it. You talk yourself out of it. But see, the difference is your spirit. Listen, please listen. This whole God's in control thing doesn't work because your spirit is forever connected to God, but your spirit is subservient to your soul if your soul's fatter. If your soul has more input in your life, if your soul has more input in your family, your marriage, in your children, if your soul talks more than your spirit, you have a very soulish life. People, people struggle with me. I'm just going to tell you, I, I understand it. I completely get it. Uh, my Pentecostal friends say I'm not Pentecostal enough. My Baptist friends say I'm too Pentecostal. My Word of Faith friends say I'm not Word of Faith enough. Let me tell you who I am. I'm me. And I figured out how to be free from this without a name on, on top of me. I don't need to be called doctor, apostle, or pastor. I need to know who he is. And when I found out who he is, I get past all of this stuff that's Alan. Because Alan will say, okay, call him in the office. We're going to deal with this. Where the Spirit says, you believe me, I keep my garden weeded. Now, that'll, ch- that'll challenge the way you think. I'm a leader, Lord. I got to deal with this. No, no, it's his church. Right? So, so I'm settling into a place where I'm realizing some things. And I want to give you some things today that are kind of, it's kind of typical scriptures. But you got to understand there's four things that will happen when you're under attack. Your soul, listen, Satan will only attack you in your soul. Whatever goes on in your soul is what will go on in your body. And that's just the truth. And here's how it works. And these are going to sound very trivial. They're going to sound very rehab-like. But if you'll think about it, it's the truth. So when Satan goes on the attack, these are the four ways he attacks your soul. Number one is addiction. Number two is depression. Number three is anger. And number four is insecurity. Now, we're going to talk about addiction today. Now, when we say addiction, we immediately, when I say those four things, everybody goes to drugs. Oh, he's an alcoholic. He's a drug. He's this. No, 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 no. 
You can be addicted to soulish things and not even realize it. You know how I know? How many of y'all were sitting in front of a football game yesterday? Shouting louder than you shout in here. For Jesus. Not Jesus to a Jesus. Oh, conviction hit. <laughs> Imagine that. How many, how many of y'all will go somewhere and spend more money? You'll spend more money. Now, I, I, listen, I ain't preaching on your money, but you'll go spend more money on the stake, and when the offering plate goes by for needing the church, you tip God. Think about that. Now, y'all know me. I don't preach on money, but think about it. How many of y'all will go to a concert and have more exciting times at that concert than you will in praise and worship because you like them songs better? Y'all, that's soulish. And that is what's stopping you from the next level of your life. You know how I know? Because I fight this every single day. When you live in a type A personality, you think you can fix everything. And I'm having to learn, I'll be 46 in November, I'm having to learn in my mid to late 40s that she doesn't need me to fix everything. Sometimes she just needs me to listen. Because she'll say, I need to tell you what's going on. And then she'll follow up with these words, and I do not need you to freak out. Which means that I have painted a soulish picture to my wife that she's going to bring me something and I'm going to freak out. And whoever they are, the freak out's going on them. And that's not a good thing. So I've learned, to, and it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will tell you, I need to talk to you about these things. But you never give him time because you focus on you. Oh, listen, I ain't getting on to you so y'all don't get tight. But what I'm saying is to get to that next level, at some point you got to be willing to say, that's right, Lord. That's right. It's all, whatever you say is what I'll do. I know. I know that I want to go to another level. I know that I want to move past this stuff. And, and listen, we live in a generation, and it's not just the teenagers. It's people my age. We live in a generation where we are so technologically hamstrung that we can't even communicate with people. I mean, I was, I was talking with Brian this morning. I needed him to get something for me. And I said, look, I, I admit where I'm at. If somebody doesn't text it to me or write it down for me, I forget. Because I'm hamstrung to this stuff. It's completely ruined part of who we are by being more soulish and being addicted in our souls to something. Because that touches our mind, our will, and our emotions. And God doesn't mind you having your own mind. Just don't give him a piece of it because he don't care. God doesn't mind you having your own will, but just don't let it pull you away from His. God doesn't mind you having your own emotions, but you're not led by those emotions. All of those things were designed to be subservient to the Spirit. That if the Spirit says, it doesn't matter. If the Holy Spirit says to me, Alan, it is absolutely my will for X, Y, Z to happen in your life then I don't have to go out and make X, Y, Z happen. I have to submit to his will and say, this is what you said. Now, i got to find it in here. Now, once I find it in here, now I have the right to say, this is what God said and this is what he said in his word, and I'm putting it to work. Now, Pentecostal people, which I'm one, will say, well, if you pray in tongues enough, it'll happen. Lie. Lie number one. That is not true. I know tongue talkers that went, went to heaven early. I know people praying in tongues while their car getting repossessed. I know people praying in the Holy Ghost while their house getting taken away from I know people praying in tongues and, 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 and all these different things happen to them. Because all that is, let me explain something to you. Praying in personal Holy Spirit tongues is a download. That's it. That's where you completely move away from your soul and you listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. You pray. But then where, you, where this confusion comes in that there's got to be interpretation is right here. 
If they're in this church right here, somebody gives a message in tongues, there better be an interpretation. That's how the word's designed. But if you're praying in a personal tongue, walking around here in prayer, you have the right to say to the Lord, what am I praying about? And all of a sudden, these pictures will start coming up in you. But we never get that far because it's just about praying in the Holy Ghost. Am I making sense to you? This is why people don't go to Holy Spirit churches anymore. Because it's not being taught completely. They get one thing, and as long as everybody's praying in tongues and shouts, it's all good. Everybody looking at me like, oh, Lord, you fixed it up. <laughs> Laying hands on people. It's not going to happen yet. No, I'm just playing. Y'all don't freak out. What I'm trying to get you to understand is there is a sweet place in him. There's a place in him where there's no soulish pressure. Because we don't know truth. We know, we know things that move in our soul. We know, this is my favorite. We're going to go out to eat. Well, we had church today. You did. Man, what'd you learn? I don't know, but it was good. Tell me what you got to apply to your life. Oh, he laid hands on me. I fell out for an hour. What did you get up with? This is why Pentecostal churches don't invite me anymore. (laughs) Just so you know, we're figuring it out. (laughs) Because I firmly believe that if I call you up here and the Lord tells me to lay hands on you and you walk away with something, now it becomes your, your responsibility to get with the Lord and say, how do I manifest this in my life? We've made rock stars out of the preachers who don't have nothing but what Jesus left them and they halfway know how to use it because they're looking for the show. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm meddling. I better get on my notes. Let's do this. Let's get past the fact that what we're addicted to really doesn't have to be our identity, but it is. I love music. We got a lot of musicians in this room. Praise teams right here on the front row. We all love music. But if I'm so addicted to music, well, let me just use me as an example. Because I was so close to a record deal and because I was about to go on tour with, with the band you would all know and because all these things were about to happen in my life, that was a stronghold in my life. I was addicted to it. I, wasn't addict- I had the addicted lifestyle, don't get me wrong, but I was addicted to the music. I was addicted to what I could do because I could do that without God. Well, it's arrogant to say now, but then that's what I thought. So now I've got a friend of mine who is playing in the, a band that was opening for Bon Jovi and is begging me to come to Birmingham. Man, come on. I got full access pass where you get to, come on, just help me. We're going to take the drums out. You're going to get up there. They'll even, I've already talked to the Bon Jovi guys. They'll let you get up there and play on their set. Oh, and soul started bubbling up because I was so close to being there. And that was my dream. But that was my soulish dream. And my spirit, listen, up out of my spirit on the phone, I said, I love you. But there's no way you're going to catch me there. Now, in this part, I wanted to go so bad. But I knew that I would open up a door for another stronghold in my life that I'd have to battle because I understand that was my soul talking and I have to stay in my spirit to go where I'm going. And we live most of our life over here and, oh, man, that feels good, let's do it. No, no, no. You have to qualify everything you step into. I cannot let music be my identity. I have to let Jesus be my identity. Now, if he, if, look, if I had a release in my spirit to go, I'd have been. But listen, people say, well, you just religious. You call me what you want to, but I ain't struggling. I ain't bound up. I ain't doing drugs. I ain't cheating on my wife. I ain't doing all the things you'd like to call me in and counsel me over. What's your problem now? Right? Here's the thing. This becomes our identity, and it becomes something we can't really get out of. Now, 
once it becomes your identity, this is the next thing that happens. Then you try to quit, but you fail and you increase in hopelessness. Now, I've been an addict, okay? Now, like everybody thinks addiction's drugs. Let me tell you something. There's plenty more addictions than that. I've been an addict, so I understand the spirit and how it works. You try and try in yourself to stop something. You try and try and try to get it over with. You try and try and try to put an end to it. And the more you, more you try, the worse it gets. The more you fail, then you come back to a place where you just throw your hands up. Why do I even try anymore? And I'm quitting church and I'm done. Anybody ever been there? Y'all ain't got to be honest. That's okay. I'll be honest for you. I know exactly how that feels. Because you have to move to a place where the addiction doesn't have any power. And that's in your spirit. Are y'all with me? Is everybody hearing me? Because when you move over into a place... Now, now listen, I'm just going to tell you something. You don't have to be praying in the Holy Ghost for 25 years to move over into your spirit. I mean, I know people who, who are non-Pentecostal people who understand spiritual things and can move over into that and say, No, 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 my Lord's talking to me. This is what I need to do. So it's not an issue of your, the sign over your door. The issue is you have to get past that. Now, the next thing that happens is... Once you, once you just settle into that identity and once you settle into that hopelessness, now listen, anything that threatens that addiction, you become angry with. I can tell you how that works. You call somebody in here to talk to them about something that's come to your attention and you can tell what they're addicted to because the minute you bring it up, they get mad at you over it. Y'all okay? Y'all listening? Good. Because when that, you can see this in your kids. Oh, man, y'all think y'all so smart. Y'all don't even have a clue. We, we, it, you ain't even got to be spirit-filled to know this. You can tell when your kid's into something because you bring it up and they go, oh, you're ruining my life. All right, come on, are you serious? We've been around a whole lot longer than you. I've done things y'all ain't even thought of yet. Yeah, I know y'all. My kids are like, that. somebody say something to my kids and like, won't you do that? Have you tried this? And I've heard them. I've overheard them. They're like, you know who my dad is? He will, not only he will kill us, but God will tell him, but he's already done it. Which I don't know how I feel about that, but that is their answer. So when you settle into this, <laughs> I better move on. When something threatens what you're addicted to and you get angry about it, you call it, listen, especially church people, they call it religion. Oh, you used to be religious. And let me tell you something, I hate religion. I hate it. But I love relationship. I love knowing who Jesus is. I love knowing every part of him. But I, I also love being over on the spirit side of things and becoming what he's called me to become, not what man should mold me into. Because I have to be his, not theirs. I have to be. Now, one more thing. Once you begin, once you begin, to, uh, once you begin to, to get angry at when your uh, addiction is threatened, you begin to lose your life. But you begin to lose the life that God has for you because you're trying to get the next fix, no matter what that fix is. And I can still tell in my spirit, some of y'all are struggling with this because you're like, that's addiction. Yeah, you're right. But it's not just drug addiction. You can be addicted to your spouse. You can be, listen, you can be addicted to video games. You can be addicted to your cell phone. You can be addicted to Facebook. Why on God green earth? Oh, I got 25,000 friends. With a click of a button, you can be gone. That ain't your friend. You sitting in your mama's basement in your underwear. How many friends you got? <laughs> Ain't bathed in a week. Smell like corn chips. <laughs> Y'all probably know the people I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to hear about that one. 
But you begin to lose who you are in this thing. If you wake your spouse up at 2 a.m. because you saw a Facebook post that has got under your skin so bad that everybody has to be mad and awake, you got problems. You got real problems. You're not listening to Jesus. Now, I want to talk to you about some things. Let's, let's, let me try to get some scripture in you, Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 17. Y'all okay? I wasn't planning on going that way, but here we are. Matthew 17. Matthew chapter 17. And we're going to start at verse uh, 14. Matthew 17, verse 14. Uh, when they came to the crowd, I, I'm reading New Living Translation. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. He said he has seizures and is suffering greatly and often falls into, a fire, into the fire. Now stop. That is right there why I don't like modern translations. Because the King James says, he possessed. <laughs> he got a devil. We don't understand what sometimes we call they have issues, is demonic activity in your life. So it says he is sore, he's a lunatic, he's vexed. I just love the King Jay, he's a lunatic, he's crazy, y'all. He's vexed and he often falls into, fly, into the fire and into the water, which means that demon would just, it, 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 modern translations will say he was epileptic. But, but listen, it's, a, it's demonic activity in your life. This is the end result of this stuff. So here's what happened. You take this stuff and, and in this it says, uh, the next verse, it says, I brought him to your disciples. They could not heal him. And, it's, and Jesus says, Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from the torment. Now, go back to verse 17, Cameron. I want to show you all two things right here. Jesus answered and said, Faithless and perverse or unbelieving and perverse generation. That means this, unbelieving, listen to me, unbelieving means that you're not connected to God. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Y'all listening? Unbelieving means you're not connected to God. Just not connected. Doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. Doesn't mean you don't pray. You're just not tapped in because you just really don't believe in what he's saying to you. And perverse, listen, when we read this scripture... We think Jesus is calling them something that we don't really understand. We think, well, he's, he's really just mad at them. He's calling them names. No, no, no. This word perverse, the perverse generation, means the generation that is too connected to the world. You research it. That word perverse, too connected to earthly things. So ultimately, when you live your life... Living more in what you think versus what he's saying. When you live your life in more of what he's asked versus what, uh, more of what you want versus what he's asked. When you live your life doing what you said versus what he said, you're a part of this perverse generation. Now, I know that's not edifying, uplifting, and cheerful. But it is very revelational to the fact that I want every one of us from me all the way to the back to understand that this is all us at some point of the day. 
at some point of every day, you get caught up in you so much that you can't hear what God's saying in this. And God's trying to pull things from your soul. Because when you get tied in your soul, this is, listen, this is why you don't jump into relationships. Because the most valuable thing you have is your heart. And if you throw your heart into something, and I'm talking about all in too fast, then when all that falls, first of all, you get into something 20 years later, you realize you should have never gotten into it, and all hell breaks loose every day of your life. Or when you try to get away from that thing, you're so connected and tied that there's so much pain. That's what that word vexed means. You're so tied to it that there's literally a ripping on the inside of you, and, and you keep going back. And, Lord, I just got to get away, but I just keep going back. This is why abused women will get beat up and say, I love him. Are y'all listening? This is why people will stay in things for 15 years they never should have got into. This is why men will say, I'm staying for the children. Now, I'm not giving y'all permission to leave each other. Praise the Lord. Y'all hear me? But what I'm saying is this is when things start wrongly, they're never going to end right without him. Now, listen, if y'all think I'm sitting up here telling y'all I'm perfect, I ain't. Listen, me and April didn't have this together. We had to get with Jesus on some things to get our marriage. We, we, we were talking divorce two days after we was married. I mean, I know y'all perfect and stuff. We wasn't. Listen to me. When, the, when, you, when you stop pulling guns and knives on each other, come talk to me. I try to kill her. That's the truth. It's the truth. <laughs> That's the only amen you gave me all day when I said I was going to kill you. Threw that butcher knife right through her hair. That's the truth. Went right out the window, broke the window. Then I didn't even kill her and I had to fix the window. Failed on both sides. <laughs> but we went, through, we went through some tough times. And we realized we had to love each other through our spirits and not our souls. Because our soul, listen, if you love somebody through your emotions, you're in trouble. Because when that emotion fades, that's about to be over with. It's about to be over with. Because I, this is, I'm gonna, can I just, I mean, it ain't like I've held back this morning, but can I just be like super honest? This is why I hate these, these judgment houses at Halloween. We're getting close. I hate them. I don't hate the people that do them because they got well-meaning hearts. But I hate them, and here's why. Because they go through all, oh, Susie got killed in the car wreck because she's drunk at the ball game, and her head's over there and her leg's over there. We don't know where her toes are. You know, that kind of stupid stuff. And then you go through, and they'll take you through this room that's hot with the heaters because she went to hell. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about? And then you come out, and, and somebody in the church done grew out long. They, they got permission to grow out their hair and their beard for that month. And so they stand in there, and they say, oh, Jesus loves you. And everybody gets saved. Everybody gets saved out of fear. And when that fear is gone, were they really saved? Were they saved from what to what? This is why I have a problem with modern-day church. I do. I have a problem with modern-day church. Because we're, we're just getting saved from one party to another party, one tribe to another tribe. Let's just dance around the fire. Ain't got nothing to do with Jesus. I went to a funeral. One of my closest friends. Big church. Thousands of people. Jesus was mentioned all of zero. At a funeral. And tell me we aren't wrestling with our soul today. The church is full of it. Literally. We're at a place where there's a divide happening in the church, and it's not faith and grace. It's not word of faith or, 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 or Pentecostal. It's not Pentecostal and Baptist. It is soulish versus spirit. 
And if you are not tied to him and listening to him and connected to him, I, listen, I'm not saying that you're so spiritual you're floating around the house. I'm not saying that you're so churchy nobody can tell. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you're so connected to him that if they bump into you, they hear what he has to say. What a good place to be. What a good place to be when your kid comes home and they're being bullied at school and the Holy Spirit tells you exactly how to handle that. What a good place to be that when you walk in here and they strike the first chord, nobody can hold you down because he's been so good to you and you finally recognize that you should have been dead 17 times before you got here because the enemy put an assignment on you, but you didn't recognize it, nor did you care because he had you. When you get to that place, everything changes. Pastor Allen, why do you get in that little Buddy Holly plane and fly around? Because first of all, it ain't no Buddy Holly plane. It's Allen Bailey plane and the Spirit's in me. We ain't going down. But I also hear him before we take off. I'm not afraid to put that plane back in the hangar. I'm not. I'm not afraid of those things. I'm also the person that when somebody tried to bless me with a Harley for free, I didn't like it. But she heard the Lord. The Lord said, not yet. And if God says, I don't need a bike yet, do I need a bike? No. Now, we can live in this fake faith all day long. Are y'all okay? Because what we don't understand is when you really connect to him, all you really care about is doing what he asks you to do because you know on the other end is his results. See, the reason people people don't really understand his results is because we've spent way too long preaching the process. Well, if you just do this, if you just do that, if you just give your life to Jesus, if you just get baptized, if you just pray in tongues, if you just do... How? I've had very simple questions in my life. Somebody says, the Lord told me to do this. And I have three words. Tell me how. What do you mean the Lord said do it? Yeah, but how? Well, the Lord told me to build a church. Tell me how. You know what I'm asking them? Have you really got in the Bible and found any? Are you really, are you emotional about this or have you heard God? And if you've heard God, God will always push you to be hungry and learn more about it. See, when I take people, when I take people through Romans, through sonship, and they get to a place that they can really settle in, they understand that God's not mad at them. And because God's not mad at them, doesn't give them a license to start acting a fool, but it pulls them to a place that they know he's good. Amen. It pushes to a place where he know, where you can know that he's not out to get you. He's not out to cause you any problems. He's not out to cause you any pain. He's not trying to take your kids away from you. He's not letting your puppy get run over by a car because your kid had asthma. Those stupid things that we blame God for, those are just, that's, that's soul stuff. Soul stuff tells you this. Soulish preaching tells you that you, if, you don't give, you know, if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to burn. That's soulish preaching. Soulish preacher says, y'all must not be anointed because y'all ain't shouting. Soulish preacher says, if you ain't singing along with every song, nobody's doing a good job. That's soulish. Soulish spirit says what God sees. Most of you are not walking, and me in this, are not walking to the fullness of what God called us to. But God sees the end result and forever sees you on that side and is simply talking to you to try to get you there. That's all he's trying to do. All he's trying to do is get you to recognize the end result. All he's trying to do is get you to a place where your soul is not in charge of your life. See, when you get your soul under control, you don't get mad as easy. Now, I don't want you to raise your hands, but I'm sure there's some bad tempers in here. I got, probably got the biggest one. But the truth is, if your soul's under control, that's not an issue. It's really not. Because you see people the right way. 
You see people like Jesus saw them. Come on, girls. You see people the way, when you see people like Jesus sees them, you see the goodness in them. You see the potential in them. I've had people call me and say, why don't you deal with this? Why don't you deal with that? Why don't you call this person in? I don't like this. This was said in the hallway. This is going on. And the truth is, is we got to do this in a place where we see people the way God sees them. Amen? So listen to me real quick. Real quick and in a hurry. I know there's a lot of movement, but right here, everybody right here. What you need to understand, when I say God's not mad at you, it doesn't mean that you haven't done things that need to be dealt with. It means that he sees the end from the beginning, and if you'll just listen, he'll take you to a place you didn't know you could get to. Amen? Isn't that good? Y'all stand to your feet.